It's been a hard and shattering year for Ukraine and Ukrainians. We don't want to have war. We don't want to have quarrels with somebody. We want just peace. It's completely unfair. We are in our country, we're in our home, and now we need to leave it to the nowhere. On this day last year, Russian tanks rolled across Ukraine's border, turning a military buildup into a war that's been felt across the world by Ukrainians, Russians, and by you and me. I'm Chris Beau with a special edition of Five Things, all about the war in Ukraine, one year on. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky marked the occasion in the country's capital, Kyiv, with a message of strength and hope. I'm certain there will be victory. I want it this year. We have everything for it. We have the motivation, the certainty, the friends. Russia hasn't publicly marked the anniversary or said anything about it yet, but their actions may speak louder than words. Over the last 24 hours in the eastern and southern parts of the country, Local Ukrainian authorities report Russian shelling has resulted in several injuries and some deaths. It's a reality all too familiar for Ukrainians. CNN's chief international correspondent Clarissa Ward has covered this conflict since it began. Earlier, she told us what she's been seeing on the ground. You can hear the sound of construction, people trying to salvage what they can from this wreckage of an apartment building. We've spent the day with a young woman who was miraculously saved from her sixth-floor bedroom. Both of her parents were killed. Her boyfriend had been killed fighting on the front line just a month earlier, and it it just beggars belief, honestly. The, the, the strength you see here in Ukraine, the resilience you see, the extraordinary courage in the face of just crushing sadness and loss. Amid that pain and heartbreak, Ukraine can keep fighting, knowing that the West has their back. From the Eiffel Tower to the Empire State Building, several countries lit up their landmarks in blue and yellow as a sign of their support for Ukraine, as people remember how the world changed 12 months ago. Today, Russia began an attack on Ukraine. Putin began war against Ukraine, against the entire democratic world. He wants to destroy my country, our country. This is a premeditated attack. I have only one thing to say from the bottom of my heart. President Putin, stop your troops from attacking the Ukraine. Give peace a chance. Since Russia first launched its invasion of Ukraine, the UN estimates 7,199 civilians have been killed. And the real number is likely to be even higher. In the last 12 months, whole cities have been taken over or destroyed, and Russia has been accused of war crimes. The country was even at a risk of a nuclear disaster last fall, when Russia forcibly took control of Europe's largest nuclear power plant in Zaporizhia. But there have also been some stories of hope, kindness, and bravery in the last year. From people singing in bomb shelters at the very beginning of the invasion, to people celebrating in the streets of the newly liberated southern city of Kherson, a moment caught by CNN's Nick Robertson. This is what liberation looks like. This is what liberation feels like. 
The people of this city tried to resist the Russians. The Russians suppressed them. This is what Ukrainians are like when that suppression comes off. A lot has happened in the last 12 months. And all of it because one year ago today, President Vladimir Putin decided to begin the invasion. So why did he do it? If you ask Putin, you're likely to hear something like this. The elite of the West do not conceal their ambition, which is to strategically defeat Russia, finish us off once and for all. Let me just say, it is they who unleashed this war, and we use force to stop them. Russia's president has repeatedly called the war a special military operation and has falsely claimed it's trying to denazify Ukraine. But critics say he wanted to take control of Ukraine and make it part of Russia, strengthening his hold in Eastern Europe while also making sure the country never joins NATO. Ukraine's president is clear. His country won't give up their territory. The closest Russia has come to achieving Putin's original goal is illegally annexing four regions of Ukraine. Moscow has formally declared that the Donetsk, Luhansk, Kherson, and Zaporizhia regions are now part of Russia. That completely violates international law and doesn't seem to reflect the situation on the ground, where Ukrainian forces are still holding territory, taking back land, and launching new offensives. But beyond the reasons that started the war, the conflict has had a huge impact on the wider world. Gas prices, food prices, supply shortages, so many of the current economic problems you're feeling the brunt of can be traced back to Russia's invasion in some way. And one of the only ways Europe and Western allies could get back at Moscow was by refusing to use or at least easing off from Russian oil and gas. That's something easier said than done when Europe is very reliant on it. Another way the West has been standing against Russia is by supplying Ukraine with billions of dollars worth of military aid. At first, the U.S. and its allies were selective over what to send over, so Russia wouldn't see the moves as a direct involvement and escalate the conflict further. So the West initially only sent air defense systems and weapons for Ukrainians to protect themselves. But in recent months... Today, I'm announcing that the United States will be sending 31 Abram tanks to Ukraine, the equivalent of one Ukrainian battalion. I was pleased to report that the German government has decided to deliver Leopard 2A6 tanks to Ukraine. That stepped up to powerful weapons that will help Ukrainian troops actually attack Russian forces. But how do people in the U.S. feel about the seemingly never-ending financial support? We asked some. It should absolutely remain a priority. There is no reason or justification for that war. I think that our spending priorities are not where they need to be when we tend to put so much of our federal spending into military funding. Wonder how long it's going to be, how long it's going to go on. While there's no doubt people around the world are feeling the impact of the invasion, there's one country where the cost of this war has been paid with human lives and freedom. The war has no doubt devastated the country, upturning and uprooting the lives of countless Ukrainians. The UN estimates that now over 8 million people have fled the country to Europe so far. Its figures show that over 4.5 million of them have applied for temporary protection or similar programs that help them move and settle into the EU and beyond Europe. And some have even gotten as far as the U.S. In the early days of the war, as people fled, Train stations, bus stations, you name it, were filled with families saying goodbye to loved ones or leaving altogether. Many initially crossed through neighboring countries, 
and some like Surrey have now found a home in Poland. We arrived here with just a couple of bags and with the things we had on ourselves. We left all necessary things in Ukraine, and all that we have now is thanks to the Poles. But many Ukrainians made the decision not to leave, staying put in their homes or moving to other safer parts of the country. As of this month, the UN estimates that there are just over 6 million Ukrainians displaced within their own country. Just last week, Ukrainian officials said people in Bakhmut had to leave as it came under heavy Russian shelling. Staying in Ukraine has come with its own price. Russian shelling has targeted key energy infrastructure. In November, more than 10 million people were without power as temperatures plummeted. Take a listen to the people in the eastern city of Kharkiv, whose power went out in mid-December after a massive Russian attack. We heard explosions. The power went out. People need to be fed. We are cooking on a wood stove. But amid all this uncertainty, devastation, and destruction, one thing has been a constant. President Vladimir Zelensky's nightly addresses. Good evening, everyone. The president is here. From the early days of the war, right up until now. It is right here and now in Ukraine that the future of a world order based on rules, humanity, and predictability is being decided. And it's not only the Ukrainian people he's addressed. Far from it. Zelensky has made a handful of high-profile appearances, some in person, but most of them virtually. Greetings to all people of the world who value peace and unity between different and equal nations. One of his most consequential appearances was in person, coming to Washington in December to meet with Biden at the White House before addressing a joint session of Congress. And your support is crucial, not just to stand in such fight, but to get to the turning point to win on the battlefield. And while the war still rages one year on, Zelensky and the Ukrainian people certainly aren't backing down from the fight. As for Russia, its government, elite class, and its citizens have felt the impact of their country's war one way or another, through sanctions and a draft. Ukraine's allies, led by the U.S. and E.U., hit back against Russia fast and hard, targeting thousands of Russian politicians, oligarchs, and companies, cutting off Russia's central bank from the global financial messaging, and imposing a price cap on Russian oil and petroleum exports. Russia's economy did weaken as a result. But its economy has also shown surprising resilience so far in the face of economic isolation. The question is, how long can that last? Russia admitted early on it had used conscripts, and Russian President Vladimir Putin promised there would be no call-ups. But the Kremlin backtracked in September, when Putin announced a partial mobilization. That brought the war home for many Russians, sparking protests. In the week after the announcement, more than 200,000 people fled Russia for the European Union, Georgia, and Kazakhstan. CNN's Melissa Bell spoke with one man who fled to Georgia, leaving behind a wife and three children. If it doesn't concern us today, it will tomorrow, he says. On TV, they tell us this is being done to defend our country. But on the other hand, it turns out we just grabbed someone else's land. Men up to age 60 can be conscripted, with the only exceptions made for those convicted of sex crimes against minors, treason, spying or terrorism. And among those drafted, there have been reports of low morale and undertraining, with some saying they've been sent to the front as, quote, cannon fodder. Russia's notorious Wagner Group, a private military company made up of mercenaries, has apparently summoned prisoners from Russian jails to join the Kremlin's war in Ukraine. 
Some of the most shocking images of the war came early on in Bukha, of mass graves and corpses lying in the street. Human rights organizations have found evidence of potential war crimes in Ukraine, including torture, killing, rape, and mass deportations of civilians, and the transferring of Ukrainian children to Russia, allegations Russia has denied. Moscow's actions have also raised the possibility of international prosecution. And if other conflicts are any indicator, that could continue long after the war itself has ended. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back. How or when the war will end is unclear at this point. But President Biden promised this week a few things are certain. But there should be no doubt. Our support for Ukraine will not waver. NATO will not be divided and we will not tire. When Russia first invaded, there were concerns and questions swirling within NATO over whether Russia would attack a neighboring member country. And if that happens, essentially World War III could break out. The possibility is still there, of course, but the optics on the battlefield have changed, with Russia struggling more than many thought and Ukraine holding the line. But when this happened back in November... And leading this hour, the breaking news, a reported missile strike beyond the borders of Ukraine hitting Poland, NATO territory. World leaders gathered immediately when they were at a G20 summit. The leaders of Poland and NATO said the missile that landed in Polish territory and killed two people seemed to be an accident. They also determined it was fired by Ukrainian forces, defending themselves against a barrage of Russian strikes. Right before this happened, Zelensky outlined a 10-point peace plan to end Russia's invasion, calling for things like a nuclear safety path, food and energy security, and a final peace treaty with Moscow. The Kremlin saw it and thought Kyiv wasn't willing to negotiate. Turkey was the first country to offer to be a mediator for peace talks. Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu told CNN he'd be open to doing so too. And this week, China's top diplomat shared key points of China's peace plan with Ukraine's foreign minister. Meanwhile, Russia's gearing up for an expected major offensive. And Putin made clear in a major speech this week he isn't backing down on his ambitions and falsely claimed the West is to blame for the conflict. We have to continue to make sure that the threat to our lands is removed. U.S. officials acknowledge how difficult the next year will be. Not only do the U.S. and its allies have to keep up assistance in the face of dwindling Western stockpiles, officials also say they're encouraging Ukraine to change its battlefield tactics. So what has to change on the ground for either side to come to the table? I spoke to retired Army Major General and CNN military analyst Dana Petard. He thinks this war will take years to end. Most wars end up having a diplomatic solution. So we need to support Ukraine from not just supplying them with what Uh, we think they need, we need to supply them for them to win. And if, in fact, the tide can be turned to where it appears they are winning, Russia will come to the negotiations table, um, I I believe. Zelensky has repeatedly ruled out ceding any territory to Russia to get them to withdraw. And Western officials say there's no indication that Putin would be willing to accept anything less than a full overthrow of Kyiv. It seems as long as this impasse exists the war will unfortunately persist. I'm Chris DeBeau, and thanks so much for listening to this special edition of CNN Five Things. 